G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson. We're back with another 2020 podcast. Remember, you can hear 2020 on the Vision Radio Network from 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time weekdays on Vision. Bernie Diamond is pretty much part of the furniture here at Vision Radio. He's heard during 2020 every weekday with a different perspective and on weekends with Christianity Works. Well, Bernie has a brand new book out and it's exciting to be able to talk to him about it. The book is called Seeing Your Loved Ones Come to Christ. Bernie, welcome back to 2020. Nice to chat. Thanks, mate. Good to good to chat. I've never been called part of the furniture before. I hope I'm comfortable. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I hope you're comfortable too. That's right. Uh, well, which part of the furniture would you like to be? I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, Bernie, this new book that you've got out, uh, it really is hot off the press. Uh, this yep. is something that is has been on your heart for a long time and a question that so many people are asking. Yeah, well, you know, we all have loved ones, um, and we all. And the reason we call them loved ones is because we love them, right? And and the one thing that we, as Christ followers, as people who've experienced the love and the mercy of Jesus, want to see is we want to see them experience the same thing. It's a really, really natural thing. I get asked this a lot. How do how do I see my loved ones? come to Christ. I've been praying for him for years and nothing's happening and what's going on? So it's a question that people ask me a lot. Isn't there a tendency uh, for some and perhaps when it's the parent to child relationship that there seems to often be this sort of leadership bordering on manipulation uh, way to try and make your family come to Christ? Uh, But there is a sense, isn't there? It's only God who can touch the heart. Oh, absolutely. And and I think, too, the closer someone is, the harder it is for them to be used as the one through whom they come to Christ. And you know yourself, when you were growing up, your mum and your dad, your parents, you, I mean, you have day-to-day struggles, you see your parents' imperfections. Um, when you're a teenager, there are stresses and strains in that relationship. And so preaching at them is the last thing that's going to work. Bernie, there's really three segments that you're covering in your book, and I'd love to be able to uh, tackle those, and I know we'll only be able to do it in a nutshell today, but let's talk about the first thing that you're encouraging people to do to see their loved ones come to Christ. And uh, if I was just introducing this, I would say, Bernie, tell us about the importance of love. Yeah, well, see, love, we've been manipulated by Hollywood. We, we think that love is a feeling, and sure, love is an emotion, um, but love is a decision. The, the love that God has for us is a, is a decision love. Agape love, which many of us have heard of before, is that unconditional love. Have you ever prayed, oh, God, bring me someone that I can lead to Christ? And then God brings you a basket case, you know, someone who's really difficult and prickly, and they've got a lot of stuff going on in their lives, and we go, oh, God, don't bring me someone like that. Bring me someone who's easier. <laughs> but, 
But the reality is that to see someone come to Christ involves agape love. You may have noticed, because I know you have a copy of that, uh, that book sitting on your desk there, the image on the front of the book is a very confronting image. Right? It's an image of a hand nailed to a cross. And that's the sort of love that we need to have for people in order to see them come to Christ. In fact, you say that love needs to be, and uh, I'm quoting you here, sacrificial, painful, deadly and brutal love, the same as Jesus Christ. Uh, those sorts of words, they they run against the grain when we think about what it is to be loving and nice and uh, with our response being comfortable. Exactly. I mean, let, let's say you're a parent, right, and you've got a wayward teenager, a kid that's out all night or a kid that's doing drugs or a kid, you know, loving that child even though you love them as a parent but showing them love and being there for them and picking up the pieces, and, and it's hard. I mean, bringing up a fantastic kid is hard. Bringing up a difficult kid is a hundred times as hard. And, and remember when the, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, how many times should we forgive someone? Seven times? And he said, seven. I mean, seven seems a lot of times to forgive someone. If someone does the wrong thing by you and you have to forgive them for the same thing seven times over, that feels like an awful lot, doesn't it? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven times, which I'm a maths major, that's 490 times. You know, forgiving someone that often is really hard. But that's how often God forgives us in Jesus Christ and then some. And so that's the sort of love that we're called to show. And whenever we show forgiveness, it costs someone something. When we forgive someone, it costs us something, just as it costs God the life of his son to forgive us. So when we talk about loving someone unconditionally, that love is going to hurt. That love is going to make us bleed. That love is going to make us cry. Do you still want to see your loved ones come to Christ? Because that's what we're being called to do. And you're saying that uh, the way that God loves us, even though we sin against him, we're being called to love those who are sinning against us. Yeah, First John 3.16. Everyone knows John 3.16, right? Every, every Christian can quote John 3.16 at the top of their head. And the reason why is because in a nutshell, that's the good news. What does First John 3.16 say? I wonder how many Christians can quote that. And that is all about saying, hey, look, look at what Jesus did for us. Look at how he laid down his life for us. We also should lay down our lives just in the same way. For one another. That's the sort of love that God is calling us to, to see our loved ones come to Christ. Bernie, let's move on to the second thing you say. And mm-hmm. beyond love, you're saying this is the challenge. Pray. Mm-hmm. Pray for those that you love. Praying sounds like a feeble thing to do, doesn't it? If all else fails, we pray. I remember as a parent, you know, when the kids used to get their Christmas, their, their toys at Christmas. Remember the bike or the the mousetrap game or something like that, and you had to put it together on Christmas morning. And so I'm not very practical. And so I'd be putting it together Christmas morning, and I'd get so frustrated. And eventually it just wasn't working. I'd be so frustrated. What's the last thing you do as a last resort? You read the instructions. I think think we treat prayer the same way. Oh, man, nothing's happening. I guess I'd better pray. But if you have a loved one who is on the other side of the planet, you never see them, you never talk to them, you can't do anything to influence them, you can't do anything to help them. If all you can do is pray for them, 
you have just done the single most powerful thing that you could possibly do. Bernie, what do you say to people who say, how long should I pray? Isn't it easy sometimes when it comes to prayer, if you're not seeing immediate answers, to actually give up? Yeah, have you ever gone to McDonald's and they say there's a 90-second wait on your hamburger and you go, what, a 90-second wait? How, I can't wait that long. <laughs> We're pretty impatient consumers these days. And the, the encouragement that I have for people who have been waiting for a long time is that a 1,000 years is like a day unto the Lord. You know, I mean, God isn't so much interested in our schedule and our time frames. He knows when the right time is. He knows when it's going to happen. And, and he is the one that decides that. When I came to Christ, and I am your classic saw on the road to Damascus, right? I am your absolute impossible to become a Christian type of guy. Uh, when I came to Christ, I discovered that there had been a couple praying for me for 18 years, right? They had faithfully been praying to, for me. Hope against hope, right? They just kept on praying for me as impossible as I was. And I stand before you today through their prayer. We're talking to Bernie Diamond all about his brand new book. It's called Seeing Your Loved Ones Come to Christ. And you can get a hold of Bernie's book absolutely free. This is what you do. Go to vision.org.au. Bernie's with us. We'll come back and talk some more about his new book in just a short while. You're listening to the 2020 podcast from the Vision Radio Network. We're continuing our conversation with popular radio host and good friend of our ministry, Bernie Diamond. Bernie has a new book out called Seeing Your Loved Ones Come to Christ. Bernie, you said we need to have an unconditional love for our loved ones and to be spending time in prayer for them. What are some of the creative ways in which we can implement and initiate conversations about faith with those who are closest to us? Yeah, if you, um, we're made in God's image, right? Um, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 is very clear that God decided, decided to make you and me and everybody else in his image. Okay, what does that mean? If you went to Genesis chapter 1, just Genesis chapter 1, you know nothing else about God. You're from a different planet. You just landed on Earth. You open Genesis chapter 1 and someone says, tell me what you learn about God just from Genesis chapter 1. What is it that you learn about God? Well, you learn that he's incredibly powerful, but you learn principally that he's incredibly creative. I mean, Genesis chapter 1 is the creation account. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be land, and there was land, and the oceans were formed, and the, the birds of the air, and the beasts, and, and then ultimately you and I were created in his image. God is an incredibly creative God. One of the things I love about God as a communicator is that God is an edgy, creative communicator. Can I take you to the story of the Magi, uh, right? But when Jesus um, came and, and was born in Bethlehem, one group of people whom God called to worship his son were the Magi. What's a Magi? Well, a Magi is effectively a soothsayer and astrologer. Now, the Old Testament is really clear. God hates that stuff. That's a terrible sin to, to do soothsaying and, and to be an astrologer. Yet God still calls those people to worship his son. Let me ask you a question. How does he call those people? Does he send them a prophet? Does he send them a scroll with the Old Testament and the law written on it? He sends them a star. What, what a creative, edgy communicator is our God to send a star to a bunch of astrologers, even though he hates his sin. 
I think you and I can become too judgmental about people's sin and forget that we need to meet them in the place where they're at. And because we're made in God's image, we can do that incredibly creatively. And I guess opportunity is going to be the issue with creativity because given that we've already spoken in the earlier segment uh, talking about love, that type of unconditional love and about prayer, well, when the opportunity rises, that's the time, isn't it, to, uh, to be creative. And it could be hardship or it could be disaster. It could be health issues, relationship breakdowns. Those sorts of things create opportunity to be able to share that love into those lives. And can I add to your list, people's sin itself. Mm. You know, when I came to Christ, I went through a really difficult, difficult stage in my life. And a lot of that was the product of my own sin. I would never have used that word back in those days. But now I can look back on it and say, you know, a lot of the reason my life was falling apart is because I had rejected God and I'd run away from him. And the people who came and loved me, the Christians who came out of the woodwork, had a few things in common. Firstly, they were Christians. Secondly, they knew me, and thirdly, I hated them because they were Christians. I didn't much like you Christians before I became a Christian. You know, you guys used to rub me the wrong way. And yet, despite who I was, despite my sin, despite the fact that I was living the consequences of my sin, these Christians came out of the woodwork, and they gave me somewhere to live when I had nowhere to live. My business partner's wife came and gave me my first Bible, one of the gutsiest things I've ever seen anyone do to give Bernie a Bible. You know, these people loved me in my sin. That's an incredible opportunity. That's agape love. We can be so creative in doing that. So you're saying that meeting the need of uh, yep. giving a gift, those sorts of things make up the creativity that puts the word of God or a word of wisdom into people's hands so that they can be directed to faith in Christ. That, plus, I think it speaks of the authenticity of God's love. You know, when people just come and help you even though you don't deserve it, that's something you don't forget. You know, each of these three people, these three Christians who stepped into my life, I'd known for a long time, but they stepped forward, they stepped up to the plate when I was in need, And even though they shared their faith with me, I don't remember a lot of what they said. As long as I live for the rest of eternity, I will never forget what they did. They spoke the love of Christ into my life through their actions. They didn't have to preach at me. I could see that their faith was authentic. And again, I wouldn't be here if they hadn't done that. Bernie, out of love and praying and being creative, uh, how do you set that into context? Uh, How much creativity, how much love? Are these equal portions or or should there be one overriding factor in uh, seeing our loved ones come to Christ? I think they're all at the same time. Um, If I'm not praying for someone to come to Christ, I'm not doing the single most powerful thing I can do. Prayer costs me nothing. Um, Persistence in prayer costs me nothing. And and the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is prayer that has powerful results. Have you noticed that? There's never anything about feeble prayers. There's never anything about prayers that don't have results. Jesus never knocked anyone for having too much faith. The only time he spoke to them about their faith was when they didn't exercise enough of it. We can never have too much faith in Jesus. And as we spend time in prayer, 
I don't know if you've noticed this, but God speaks to us. God gives us ideas. God shows us how we can love. God gives us the courage to go back and love people who are difficult to love. And so we go and do the love, agape love. Um, love is a verb, right? It's a doing word in our language, not just a noun. It's a verb. And so we, we pray out of that flows our, our actions, out of that flows our strength. And we just go and be authentically who we are. There are some things I can do for people and there are some things I can't do for people. So I go and do the things I can do. I, I just go and be me and, and love them. I don't think there's any rocket science about that. Bernie, you're saying this is one of the main things that Christians pray for. It's to see our loved ones come to Christ. What you're saying is as you spend some time praying for your loved ones to come to Christ, there will be thoughts that will come of creative ways that you can bring this very gentle love into that person's life and eventually see them come to Christ. Is that just in a nutshell is what you're saying? Yeah, that's in a nutshell it. And, and it's not necessarily that they'll come to Christ while we're with them. I think the research says that the average person takes 15, 15 meaningful interactions with the gospel to give their lives to Christ. Okay, so I might be interaction two, five, and seven. They may not come to Christ for another three or five years. That's not the issue. It's not my job to bring them to Christ. It's my job to serve them and to forgive them and to love them as Christ served, forgave, and loved me. Well, Bernie, I think your new book is going to be an inspiration to many. And uh, for those listening into our conversation now, the hint is that you can get your very own absolutely free copy of Seeing Your Loved Ones Come to Christ and uh, as simply as going to the website vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au. Bernie, it's been a pleasure talking and I know we'll chat again uh, sometime very soon and uh, hopefully some more about your new book. Mate, it's been a pleasure. Bless you. To get a copy of the book, go to our website, check out our blog and click on the link. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.